Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. With mixed market bet builders, in-play betting and a selection of welcome offers, make sure your Premier League is spent with BetVictor's premier betting app. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba. And you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, and the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And today's show, we have a quite special guest here on the show today. A man who has seen a lot happen at Chelsea and has met some fascinated individuals. To explain more, here is David Sorrell. David, before we begin... Just want to sort of start. How are we today? I'm oh, fine. Uh, just getting over COVID, actually. So in my second bout of it. So uh, back to work tomorrow and looking forward to it. <laughs> well, hopefully you've got over the worst of it. I know COVID's yeah. hit quite a lot of people, me included. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, once we sort of get back to a little bit of normality, we should be OK. But want to sort of start the interview, if I can, David, by sort of just talking about your earliest memories of supporting Chelsea. And then we'll sort of talk about, obviously, stuff that you've sort of mentioned to me before we did the recording. And then... Yeah, yeah. Well, I was very fortunate. I was born and bred in South West 6, South West 10. I lived in Upturn Road. Um, I was born in 1960. And luckily, I was born next door to Alan Hudson's mum and dad. Uh, in the prefabs and we had wonderful times grew up together uh, we played football together in the cage across the road which is not there no more the nursery's still there that, uh, that our prefab used to be right next to but that's all parkland now in upturn road so they were fantastic times uh, grew up sort of to nine-year-old seeing Chelsea get to the cup final dad took me to my first game when I was five so that was in 1965-66 season um so that was incredible i used to beg him to take me to stanford bridge because i could hear the noise across the road from the king's road fulham road uh at stanford bridge and he took me in the end and it i was just absolutely hooked by the, the size of the ground never used to go away games but dad was brilliant he, he used to take us to chelsea fulham qpr whoever's at home that weekend so we'd have football every weekend it was amazing but i was just totally hooked on stanford bridge and then sort of grew up, went to secondary school, what's St Mark's School, next to Fulham's ground. Uh, that was my secondary school. 
So um, that that was brilliant. Went from Sloan School to St Mark's School when that was then when that was moved. Um, grew up there. Uh, actually went down and used to uh, go lunch times and see Fulham train. So I met uh, Bobby Moore, uh, Rodney Marsh, George Best, and all of them at Fulham it was magnificent. And then on a Friday we would go down to Stamford Bridge and watch them train. So, you know, it, it was amazing days. Uh, you know, you could just walk in there and see Peter Osgood and Peter Ousman, Alan Hudson and Ron Harris. And Alan used to say, yeah, come on, Dave, come in and come and join. I used to stand there in the old shed. There used to be a, a car park here and you used to go and watch them train. I don't know if you remember it years ago. But, yeah, you probably I've wouldn't seen, remember I've that. I've seen the pictures. I remember. Yeah, the old offices where they are. I've, I've got some magnificent memories, magnificent photos, photo albums galore going back years. You know, I've sent you a few photos as well. So, yeah, then uh, sort of followed Chelsea all my life. Uh, I went in, I worked for the Kensington and Chelsea Borough. One of my first jobs, I was an apprentice plumber. And my first wage pack went straight on a Chelsea season ticket. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a great story. But previously to that, I was always a shed boy and would pay me 50p to get into the the um, into the old West Ham benches. And we used to battle uh, who would get the back seat right on the halfway line with uh, Mark Sandham and a few of the lads. You know what I mean? We all still know each other, and we all wind each other up over them days. So they were good days. And then 76, 77, I got my first season ticket uh, in the West Stand with John Druitt and all the boys. Uh, we'll we'll keep... Uh, keeping in contact, Kevin Hill and all the Chelsea boys. And yeah, and then uh, met my mate Terry, uh, who we played football together at Wimbledon Park when I was 16, 17. He bought a season ticket. He was a big Chelsea fan. Uh, and we've kept together ever since. He was my best man at my wedding as well. I, I live in Somerset now, so he lives down in Devon. So we still come up to games, most games. So it, it's been a fantastic story. And then... Uh, Going on, sort of moving from Chelsea, we moved to Kensington, um, just off of Kensington High Street. Uh, Mum and Dad had tight accommodation. Dad was an electrician. I was a plumber for the Kensington and Chelsea Borough. And then they eventually retired out to Perryvale Way and uh, Greenford. And I sort of looked at the telly one night and I could see Chelsea had moved from their old training ground near Heathrow. And I thought, well, that's not far away. And I, I see it on London tonight. I could see the Holiday Inn Hotel at Harlington. I thought... Gosh, that's only five minutes from me. So I've, there I am, got in my first car, straight up there, straight in. All the boys were there. John Neil, all the boys here, Neil, they just said, come in, come in, join us. We don't get many fans come up here. In fact, they got no fans. I must have probably been the only one. And probably Felicity now and again, whether you've probably heard of her, uh, you know, she would always take the apples up to the boys and, and the, the three girls, Eileen and all of them, would take to the apples up to the home games and that. And that was it then. I was completely hooked and Chelsea was so close to me. Um, and then I got, I, I went into school site management. I uh, got my first score in Greenford, moved on to there to a housing association in West Drayton, which was even closer to Harlington. And I lived actually two minutes from Harlington. So we moved there in 2000. Um, my son was born in 2001 and he's been such a lucky charm, Joe. Uh, for Chelsea Football Club and all of us, really, that we've won everything since he's been born. So, you know what I mean? He never saw the bad days. I'm not allowed to say when we were, beep, <laughs> but we were, we were absolutely crap. You know, I was at Bolton at the old Burnham Park to see us stay up in, in 93, 84, 80, yeah, 83, 84 season and saw Clive Walker get that equalising goal that kept us up. You know what I mean? That, they were fantastic days. You know, I remember my mate Terry, we'd, we'd drive everywhere. We'd go to Carlisle, midweek games everywhere. I'd take all my holidays just following Chelsea. So great stories. Uh, 
you know, that Shrewsbury, I was at Rotherham when we lost 6-0 and even John Bumps did Mr. Penalty and places like that. They were awful days. And then, then the Ken Bates days come along. Uh, I used to go all the player of the year dues as well. And, uh, you know, play at the Cafe Royal, met Seb Coe, Brian Mears, all the old boys, everything. Knew them all. Got to know all the players at the old training ground. Johnny Bumstead, Patesy. Um, and then John Neal came in. Uh, he bought the actually magnificent five, Joe McLaughlin, Eddie Nidswicky, Pat Nevin. And then guys all came in and what a transformation. John Neal was absolute gentleman, absolute gentleman. And he, he, he would shake my hand every time I got the training ground. He'd invite me onto the pitch. I'd stand right next to him watching training. I'd watch the junior games. It was magnificent. It was absolute glory days. And then we, we slowly rose up through them days thanks to John Neal. And I'll always thank him. Um, his son's on my Facebook and he just can't. Imagine the amount of photos I've got him and John Neal. He loves my photos, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, and I've got a lot of friends on Facebook. A lot of you probably know me. And I've got amazing albums. So, yeah, yeah. So, great days. And I've watched Chelsea grow up through, right up through there from John Olin days. He was a magnificent coach uh, with Chelsea, but he wasn't a manager. He fell out with Ian McNeil, which I knew, I knew about. Um, actually see him have arguments on the pitch as well. But, you know, you know, he was never a manager. But I'll always give it to John Hollins. He was a magnificent coach. He's one of the best coaches I've ever seen at Harlington. And then, of course, you, you grow up and you see Bobby Gould and Bobby Campbell and all them come up through the days. And then Bakesy would come up now and again. Bakes would be at the junior games. I'd be at the junior games. He'd come up and, and talk to me. And then one day he came up to me and he said, right, we've got big days now. Uh, we had the Tinker Man, you know, Ranieri come in. He was a great guy as well. Really nice guy. And he used to tell me actual signings that we were, when we were signing people, you know, on the players, Veron and players like that before. And I used to run up the phone box up the road and phone me mates. We didn't have mobiles then days. I'd have to run up the, up the road, tell me mates. And it was great. You know, I knew before the press and, uh, they were amazing days. And then Bates turned up one day and he said, I'm selling, I'm selling up to a multi-millionaire. And he, he actually came up to me and said, you've got some mega trophies coming your way. I said, you're joking. He said, no, no, no. He said, it's going to happen in the next few days. So anyway, I thought, I'll keep an eye on this. So I sort of went up Harlington every day. And he said, he came up to me, Bates. He turned up in his roller one day and he came up and shook me hand. He said, this is my last day. I said, all right, who's taking over? He said, this Russian guy, Roman Abramovich. I went, oh, I've never heard of him. And the next thing, you know, Bates has gone out. He said, you know, You've been absolutely magnificent, great supporter. There's three or four of you that always come down here, you know, Roy, Margaret and, and Mark, Mark and Ray. You know, we were always at the junior games and he'd come over and talk to us all the time. Um, yeah. and, and he said, bang. And he said, right, I'm going now. Roman will be coming in. And I thought, yeah, OK. Next thing I saw this entourage of black vehicles, security guards, paparazzi. Well, they were all outside waiting for it to turn up. And all of a sudden there's me, the only supporter there at Harlington with Roman Abramovich walking up to me out through the changing rooms. He was a little bit dubious at first and then he told his security guards go and he came up and shook me by the hand and he didn't speak a word of English. Gary Staker come over who I knew really well and he said yeah he's fine he's been coming here. Yeah. He shook me by the hand and I wished him really good luck and thank you very much and God we didn't know what was coming you know what I mean. Absolutely incredible and um yeah, they were great days. He kept uh, Ranieri on for, for a little while. Uh, he brought a few players in. Well, he brought a hell of a lot of players in under Roman Abramovich. But, you know, I, I still think it was bad when we went to Monaco and uh, we, we blew it then. Uh, we could have got the Champions League final. I was out there that for game. Went out with prime events. We had magnificent 
trips going to all over Europe watching Chelsea. And uh, yeah, but I think Ranieri blew that game because he knew Mourinho was coming in. And I think you'll agree with me that, you know, when he took uh, Asselbank off, he took Melchot, brought Melchot on or something. And if I remember rightly, and it, he absolutely screwed up the game for us. But uh, never mind. To be honest, I think we should have had at least three or four, four, at least four European Cups in our cabinet by now. And catching catching them scousers up, <laughs> but no magnificent days, you know what I mean. And then uh, Mourinho came in, and, and sadly he, he banned all the supporters at Harlington. Um, but I knew ways of getting in there by you know um, backroom staff, stewards, and whatever. And they just told me to go in the park next door and watch it from there, which I did. And they used to come over and talk to me. We had a bit of banter. And Mourinho would come over as well. And a couple of times he invited me in. And then I met them at the Holiday Inn. I knew all the players would go to for their midweek uh, break. Uh, they'd have first training. When they do pre-season, they would go to the Holiday Inn and have their sleep and uh, and have some lunch and then have an afternoon session in the afternoon and evening. So I knew what times they would go up there. And, and amazing photos I got up at the Holiday Inn. And that's when we signed players like Ashley Cole and all the big boys. Drogba came in and I thought, wow, this is going to be a transformation here. And that was it then. We won that league that year and that was just incredible. Just amazing times when we when we won the Premier League for, for so long. FA Cup 97 was magnificent. That, that was a great day after, what, nearly 20, 26 years without a trophy. Uh, that was a brilliant day. Uh, and then winning the Cup, Winners' Cup, I was in Stockholm as well. But winning that first Premier League was, oh, that was absolutely, well, I didn't even go home that night. I just uh, sat on the doorstep in the Fulham Roads and totally drunk. <laughs> so, yeah, we actually ended up in the Butcher's Hook that night when we won the league with all the players. So uh, we, we found out the password, uh, what to get in there, and all the players were in there. And uh, we actually got in there, and I was drinking with Frank Lampard, Terry, Wayne Bridge as well. And, uh, yeah, Damien Duff, that, that was his party, and he organised it, and we ended up in there. So that was a pretty special night, that. <laughs> but, yeah, great times. Good stories as well. But and also, as you can see, I know a lot of the backroom staff, and they got me shirts, players' shirts galore sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I've got loads of stuff. Um, well, John Terry's boots as well. I've got a pair of them. Yeah, uh, they're all them. They're all autographed as well, and uh, George and uh, Summer on the side. So, yeah. And uh, one of my prized possessions was a Champions League ball, which is all autographed from the 2012 uh, uh, season, you know, when we won the Champions League. So that was, right. uh, that was fantastic. So I've got all that autographed. And my favourite shirt is that one there with Drogba on the back. Uh, that was the season we won the Champions League. That's right. So uh, the kit Eleven man got me that. Season. Yeah. Drogba went, he went to Galatasaray. I gave it back to Mick Roberts, who was the kit man then. And he said, leave it for me. I'll get it autographed for you. And he got it autographed for me that night when Drogba came back, gave it back to me. Uh, my son was masked the year after against Fulham in 2013. And I got the whole front of it autographed by the whole team. So that that was incredible, that as well. So that that was a brilliant day. So that was one of my best days ever, apart from the Champions League in Munich. But uh, but yeah, seeing your son walk out and, and be a mascot at Chelsea was great. But yeah, and we went in a changing room, which they don't do now. So we went in and met all the players, Lampard. Of course, they all knew me, didn't they, from Harlington? And, uh, so and another lovely story. I watched John Terry grow up as a fourteen-year-old at, at, at Harlington, and he wasn't all that. It, we we never really rated him in the juniors, and he went to Nottingham Forest, I think, for six months loan. Yes, and he that's came, right. Yeah. He, he, he came back, the player he was. And we, with the transformation in John Terry was unbelievable. What Forrest done to him, I don't know. But he was absolutely incredible. And he grew up to the player he was. 
Uh, and that's how he got in the first team so quickly. He was just unbelievable. You see John Terry walk out without a shirt on at Harlington in freezing cold temperatures, and it used to get really cold up there. Honestly, it was bitter. And even in the snow, he would walk out with just a T-shirt on. You know what I mean? He was just an hard nut, and he was just so ready for it every game. His, 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 his ambition was to play in the first team, and it, and it happened for him. And the most successful captain, well, apart from Aston Aguero, you know what I mean? But absolutely unbelievable. But yeah, great stories, great times at Harlington. So yeah, I get in Cobham now and again, get up there and uh, with work-wise. But once I retire in a few few years, I'll be back up there again. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I can I can see you've probably penciled in the date of your retirement, and then when well, you're going to be right right up. Yeah, to yeah, I've got a nice couple of pension coming up. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I've had a season ticket for forty-six years. So. Uh, Moved from the West Stand to the East Middle and then in the East Upper. Uh, so, you know, we've got some great, great memories. Sit with Johnny Vaughan. Sadly, Sean Locke used to sit there and he passed away last year. So I knew Johnny Vaughan. Well, I know Johnny Vaughan well and Sean Locke really well. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, they were, they were good days. And we still see each other, you know what I mean? So uh, the banter's brilliant up there. Yeah. I can see with your shirts that you've got on the camera, listeners yeah. won't be able to see this, but you can try and visualise it anyway. He has a jog bar. He's Diego Costa's uh, shirt from the 14-15 season. Gary Cahill from the 11 and 12 season. And I, is that the Ross Barkley? Yeah, that was a couple one? of years ago. Yeah, uh, I've got another one here, Fabregas one, which is a really nice one. Oh, the away one. Sorry, I did not see that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really nice one, this one. That's all autographed as well on the front part of it. Uh, that that is very special. Yeah, that must be. And this one here is really, really special. Oh, I can see that one. Uh, this was given to my boy Ashley Cole when he was mascot in 2013. Yeah. And he actually took it off his back and gave it to him at the end of the game. So uh, we was in, in the lower tier of the East Stand and he, he got the... Uh, he got the shirt off of him. So that, that was pretty brilliant as well. But my prize prize one is my, my prize one is a Drogba shirt from 2012. And that was just before we went to Wembley. I got that to the cup final. We won that. I was at Wembley. And then we had three days in Augsburg via Munich. So that was absolutely incredible days. Anyway. Got to be the trip of a lifetime. I went to Tronzo Chelsea as well, which was a great trip in, in minus 12 con- uh, conditions. But That was with the snow, wasn't it? When they it had was, the orange it, I'd say that was my second best trip ever. You know, I don't go to European trips now, but uh, uh, that that was an amazing trip. And with lads that I've known for years and we got there two o'clock in the morning and they greeted us in the hotels. We went nightclubbing that night and it's at two o'clock in the morning. Our flight got in. They wanted us to go to a nightclub. We were absolutely magnificent. Really good. And yeah, yeah, we got in well late that night and had a few beers. The game was the next day. Uh we went down the pitch. We went and met up with Gwen Williams and that. He was on the pitch. He actually slipped over on the pitch, which was hilarious. He didn't find it funny, but we did. But, um, yeah, but no, they, they were great times. Tromso got a massive album, photo album and that. And that was a trip of a lifetime. But, uh, yeah, and, and well, we lost that game, but we actually smashed them at home, didn't we? So, That's uh, right, yeah. With first yeah, leg, yeah, I think but... we lost 3-2. Yeah, yeah. Second leg at Stamford yeah. Bridge, we won. Yeah. Well, Viali was actually Viali shocking. Yes, yeah, sh- yeah sh- he was shocking in the first half, and we were all coating off Viali how bad he was. The snow came down. The brand came out at half time, and the snow. Honestly, they weren't snowballs. They were like cannonballs coming down. This snow, it was just unbelievable. And they had to stop the game and they had to, 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 to do all the pitch again with the brooms and and do it. You probably remember it if you look on YouTube. There's some great pictures of it. 
And yeah, it was magnificent. How that game was played. Hullet didn't want it played. He was manager then. He didn't want it played. Uh, yes, but they had he to. was complaining to the officials that he wanted it postponed. Because postponed, of... yeah. It was so bad the second half. It was unbelievable. But but anyway, it got it got played that night. And anyway, we were out boozing until late at night, even though we lost. You know what I mean? But and then we came back the day after via uh Augs, but not Augs, but um where did we go bergen that's right we came back bergen and oslo so we had three flights getting back there to de-ice the plane uh, coming back as well so oh it was absolutely a magnificent trip so yeah it was brilliant but munich was the best one that that was well you could never beat munich i didn't go to porto because i moved to somerset sort of thing but absolutely um it, munich was just unbelievable absolutely brilliant trip that was yeah trip of a lifetime just a few things that i've obviously with what you've mentioned um, that I wanted to sort of discuss with you, you've sort of mentioned about you was friends with Alan Hudson and you had sort of a, a good connection with him being sort of yeah. school, school friends and sort of being pretty much next door neighbours. What, for those that perhaps haven't seen him live as a player or will obviously remember him sort of later on, what was he like as a footballer? Was he that good that people in that era claimed that he was? He was very, very good player. Uh, they, they were all good them days. We had a magnificent team and Alan Hudson was just one out of 15 of them. You, you know what I mean? You had Peter Rosgood, Peter Rousman, Charlie Cook. You know, I, I love Charlie Cook. He was better than Hudson, but Hudson was a youngster. He was coming through the youth ranks, you know what I mean? But we've had some brilliant, brilliant youth kids come through our team and he was one of them. And it was I was really proud to grow up with him. Actually, his sister was my very first girlfriend. I was only a youngster, but it, she was my very first girlfriend. So, yeah, she's on my Facebook now. Um, Alan's on my Facebook. And his brother, Alan, uh, his son, Alan, he's on my Facebook. But I actually saw Alan Hudson's son grow up and play football with him as he was a little toddler. So, you know, fantastic. But he was a really good player, Alan Hudson. And it was a shame that that team was broken up with the debt of the 1974 yeah. East stand, you know, we bought that. We already paid for that stand a million pound. Yeah. Crazy now, and it's just absolutely mental what we what we what's going on this day and age with wages and and players and etc. And, and grounds and people buying Chelsea for billions. You know that that million pound put us in so much debt that we nearly folded then, and our team was dispersed because of that East stand, and it was just awful. That's right. And and Alan is still bitter, very bitter to this day, is, is why you don't see him at Stamford Bridge. Mm. He's still very bitter. He didn't want to leave Chelsea. He didn't want to go Stoke. He didn't want to go Arsenal. He was a Chelsea boy through and through. Uh, and, and, his, and his son had vouched for that, you know what I mean? But it, 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 he was the very bitterest one out of all of them that that team all moved on, you know what I mean? We had such a great team in Osgood. We, we could have won the European Cup easy by then, you know what I mean, with that team. It's just a shame that that East stand, you know what I mean? Maybe they built that that stand too early, you know what I mean? But I, lo- I love the old ground because they used to do the dogs there. I used to go there as a kid and, and watch the dogs go around. And it was brilliant. It was either there or White City. We'd go and see the dogs. But, yeah, br- brilliant stories, great times, lovely memories and uh, great teams we've had. But, you know, I've seen the real good days of the 70s, 80s was poor being at the bottom of the second division. And then we grew and got bigger and bigger with, you know, Mears sold on the Batesy. A lot of people coat off Ken Bates, but I, I'd never do that. You know what I mean? I, his attitude was wrong, but I got on really well with Ken Bates and he saved us. He really did save us for a pound. This is what I was going to ask. What was he like as a chairman and also a, a human being? Because there's a lot of people that, yeah. apart from players that don't know what 
Ken Bates is like as a person. So you've told me sort of recently that you've sort of spoken to Ken on certain occasions when you was at Harlington and when you was taking pictures. What, What was he like to talk to and to deal with? He was good. He had an answer for everything. He he would back chat anyone. And that's what, what people didn't like about him. He had an answer for everything. He was a very, very, very clever man. But there was three or four of us that were always at Harlington watching the juniors. We watched John Terry grow up. We watched Jason Cundy grow up. You know, all them young players, you know, Liz Fridge. And, you know, we saw all them players come up, Bumstead, Pates, all them come up for the youth team. Uh, and, he, and he would come along and he would actually stand with us for 90 minutes every junior game. We'd have talked to him for, forever and ever, you know what I mean? He was, he was really nice to us. He was really pleasant. Uh, uh, he wouldn't say too much what was happening with the club and things like that. But, uh, yeah, but no, we had some great time. There was great memory with, with Ken Bates. Um, my second wife now, I just met her. And I'd, I'd gone out and met her, went to a Simply Reb concert, a Wembley concert. And uh, I, she introduced me to her dad. And I said, oh, you'll have to come up and watch a junior game at Arlington. And they lived just around the corner from West Drayton at Arlington. And he said, oh, I'd love to do that, Dave. Can I come with you? So I've gone up there one Saturday and I took him up there. And the father-in-law, he, he had a little bit of dementia then. He wasn't brilliant on his legs and that. He was getting old sort of thing. Uh, and he said he wanted to go to the toilet at Arlington. I was just up the stairs there, Brian. He said, OK. And then all of a sudden, Ken Bates come over. And I said, here, Ken, look, my father-in-law is here. He said, uh, my future, possibly my future father-in-law. So I don't know, new girlfriend sort of thing. Oh, right, OK. I said, I said, Ken, pretend you're my dad. And Ken's gone, Ken's gone with it sort of thing. This is what Ken Bates was like. He was brilliant. So anyway, there's Brian. He come, he come trudging back over. And I said, hey, Brian, look, you ever met my dad? Oh, hello, mate. What are you doing here? He said, I recognise you from somewhere. My father-in-law's gone. But do you think he could spill the penny? And he, he couldn't recognise who it was. And initially, they were talking for five or ten minutes, and him and Ken Bates just hit it off straight away, and they ended up telling dirty jokes to each other. <laughs> it was just so funny. And my other two mates were with me. They were in stitches, you know what I mean? We were in creases. And uh, obviously, I, I've had to pull my father-in-law to one side. I said, do you realise who that is? He said, I recognise him. Is it not your dad? I said, I said no, it's Ken Bates. Shelf. He said, oh, you bugger, he said. You wound me up. There's, we got on our some fire, you know what I mean? It was just so funny, Keith. It was brilliant. <laughs> but that was just one of those moments with Ken Bates, what he was like, you know what I mean? We got to know him really well. But he was all right. He was a great laugh. And, and I was there at the Cafe Royal at the Player of the Year do when Ken Bates, Sebco, and Brian Mears were all there when he was handing it all over to Ken Bates. And I was there when Ken Bates left to bring in Roman Abramovich. So, you know, pretty historic times where I was probably the only supporter that, that saw all that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it was just unbelievable. You know what I mean? I spent a lot of time at Harlington, you know, and uh, I, I learned a lot from there and some of the players and the stuff I got and boots and, and et cetera. And, and getting to know players as well, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, from John Neal days, that was amazing. I knew them all. Eddie Nesricki, he, he was a very good friend of mine. He used to look after his little boy at Arlington. So they, they were fantastic days, you know what I mean? So, that you know, promotion season with yeah. John Neal. Oh, it's the, amazing. With there. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've had a sort of a few players from that promotion team be on the show before and we've discussed the impact that John Neal had especially with bringing in the likes of Pat Nevin in, Steve Clark yeah. Joe McLaughlin as well Oh he was magnificent, what, Kerry what was, Dixon Speedy, what was, yeah What was the type of football that was different and 
sort of going back, we're going to talk about Glenn Hoddle later, but yeah. was that particular moment with Chelsea in, eight, in 84 the start of Chelsea going up a level yeah. in terms of yeah, yeah. being competitive in English football? Defo. Yeah, John Neal, sadly, his health declined in years to come. Uh, but he was magnificent. He brought them five players in and that totally changed the team around from having, I always say you work from your back. You've got a back line, you know, you've got your goalkeeper, you've got your centre half, you've got a great midfielder and then you've got that striker in Kerry Dixon. It was absolutely what a team that was, you know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, great team. But the, the John Neal completely changed it for, for all of us. I really, you know, thank him a lot. And I thank his son, who I often talk to on Facebook. So, yeah, and I'm hopefully going to meet up with him soon at the bridge. So, yeah, well, if we can get tickets. Well, I can. I'm a season ticket holder, but they can't, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And they, they, they were magnificent days. Kerry Dixon as a goal scorer as well. I mean, a lot of people sort of talk about other players being great goal scorers in this in this day and age. Yeah. But again, many people might not have seen Kerry Dixon play. What was he like as a what was he like? As he a goal he was he was like Harry Kane now. He was absolutely brilliant. He came into Chelsea. And I'd seen a few games at him at Reading, but God, did he know where the back net, back of the net was. Heading-wise, everything, you know, I mean, he, he would take the goalkeeper on, he one-on-one, he'd beat him. He, you know, they would stay back. Him and Pat Nevin would stay back behind training and work on corners, free kicks and everything. It, it, it was just mad. It was like Zola days, but with uh, Pat Nevin and Kerry Dixon there. You know what I mean? They would stay behind and work on corners, free kicks and everything and wear positioning. Eddie would stay out there with Kevin Hitchcock as well. And they were, they, oh, they were brilliant days, really good days. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but they would work really hard. It's completely changed at the training ground. You never saw that in games, but the training was totally different with these five guys coming. Joe McLaughlin, what a centre-half he was. Then we had Spackman in the middle, didn't we? What a player he was. He would run his socks off like he must have had double Duracell batteries in him because he never stopped, did he, Spackman? He was just unbelievable. You know, just them five signings just give me goosebumps on my on my arms. You know what I mean? They were just so good. They were a great team. Absolutely brilliant team. But yeah, yeah, good days, great days. And then when we sort of discussed the 80s as well, when the sort of going towards the 90s, Chelsea went down to the second division again for a, pro- yeah. um, a relegation playoff against Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, <laughs> that's it. Yep. Thank, I was there. Thanks for reminding me. Um, yeah, and we just beat him in the cup. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. I just want to sort of get your thoughts on sort of this little bit because we've had players from that particular squad that has been, that have been on the show the likes of Steve Wiggs, Tony Dorigo, mention about the different clicks in the Chelsea squad and the different sort of personalities in the squad. You was there at that at that period in, in, in training. Did you see anything in regards to players sort of falling out with other players in that era or different clicks, people not getting on, not a happy camp? Did you see... Quite a bit of that um, yourself. Yes, I didn't see so much of it in the John Neal days, but after sadly he went, uh, John John Hollins came in as manager, and I yeah. said at the start of my interview, John Hollins was a brilliant coach. He was a fantastic coach. What he used to do, for you, but he was never a manager. That's when it, the rock started coming in, and I did see quite a few rucks. Uh, even on a Friday, you know, I worked for the Kensington Chelsea Borough, parked the van up in King Charles House across the road and the bridge, and going and watch them on a Friday morning. 
uh, you know, I was lucky at my lunch break when Chelsea were training on a Friday. Uh, uh, you know, I saw Kerry Dixon and, and Connie Lee have a, have, a, have a battle behind the goal at the shed end, actually, one one, one game. And uh, at Colin Lee gave Colin, uh, Kerry Dixon a right-hander on cross. It was over a tackle or an argument or something. And, God, he splattered Kerry on, Kerry on the floor, you know what I mean? And the next day it was all over the papers saying that, oh, he'd, he'd had an accident or he'd done it in training. But that was, that was the crack Colin Lee gave him, I'm afraid. <laughs> and I actually witnessed that. But no, I saw a few incidents, you know, with Speedy. He was, he was uh, one of the world's worst of having arguments and, but he was a feisty character. I loved him a bit, David Speedy. A lot of players fell out of him. Mm. I'm not going to say who, but you probably know, but you know, a lot of people didn't like him, but he was a fiery character. He was, wanted everything he wanted every ball he was magnificent you know Kerry and Speedo were not the best of friends but god did they click up front they were magnificent you know what I mean so and luckily I've got one of Speedo's shirts it's in the museum and uh, that was one of his last shirts at Chelsea so that, that was they were great days with the old Lecoq Sportif on it that's so, yeah. it yes yeah yeah I actually got that at Swindon, so one of the last games at Swindon he played. So, so they were good days, great days. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to bring them back and relive them. I've got loads. I've got loads of photo albums. You know what I mean? So maybe we'll meet up one day, and uh, you, you know, you might be able to put them on your podcast or or show them. But I've got loads I'd of photo love albums. That. That'd be superb. I'd be my yeah. element with that. Yeah, amazing days. Yeah, yeah. And then on the turn of the year, Chelsea then got promoted again. I believe it was the 88-89 season. Yeah. And we, I think we won the league at a canter under yeah. Bobby Campbell. And yeah, we did. He done very well. Yeah. scoring, Gordon Jury scoring a few yeah. goals as well. And Johnny Bumstead having a part. Graham Roberts yeah. as well. When you sort of t- look at how Chelsea developed from then to the sort of when we talk about the Premier League years and then you've got the likes of Wires and Townsend. Was the training different when it came to like with the players and what was the sort of style of play that Chelsea was trying to implement when you saw yeah. that in training? Yeah, but uh, we had Ian Porterfield as well. Um, That's right, he, yes. He was very, very poor, but I knew him well. He's a really nice guy. But he was very poor and the players would argue, I would see that. And then Campbell came in and he totally changed it again. Um, you know, he'd done really well. Um, uh, his, his coaching was good. But the thing is, with Harlington, it disrupted the team because there was loads of shingle on the ground underneath the Harlington and they dug part of that up. And not many fans noticed, but they dug part loaded the training ground up and they took the shingle out and then they moved it to one end of the training ground where they trained. But I think that really disrupted the club and the training and everything. Um, they had different pitches. The pitches were poor. You know, they, they were training on mud heaps up there and it was just ridiculous. So, yeah, it, it, it just absolutely crazy. But they, they did lay it all back, you know what I mean? And, and to what it was. But I really think that it disrupted the whole club with the training and etc. You know, these players have got to play on decent pitches and they were pretty poor then, you know what I mean? Especially if they were digging up Harland. You could go past Harland on the M4 now and, and you can see the big mounds of where the trees are on just past the Holiday Inn. That's where they dug it all up. But it, it, things like that, people don't realise what happened in them days. And, you know what I mean? And then they would come back to Stamford Bridge because the pitches were so poor at Arlington. They would train at Stamford Bridge on a Thursday and a Friday. So that would upset the whole team. You know what I mean? So it was up and down, really. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it, it, they, they were they were bad days and good days. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 
you've spoken just a short while ago about the youth team and sort of the youth games that you would go and see at yeah. the training ground. We'll sort of discuss sort of certain players in a minute, but was there any players that you thought looked very, very good in the youth setup, but for some reason or whatever, just didn't make it to the big time? Uh, yeah, well, the biggest one was, was that made it was John Terry, really. Um, mm. Players like um, Gareth Hall, I never rated him, but even when he come through the first team, I never really rated Gareth Hall at all. Uh, players like Mickey Nutton, Steve Wicks, they all came through the team, didn't they? Yes. Uh, they they were pretty pretty good players, you know what I mean? Wicks moved on, or sadly, he went on to QPR, and then, then he'd come back again, you know what I mean? But That's right, Mickey yeah. Nutton and players like that, Bumstead came through the youth team, Patesy, they were great players, you know what I mean? And they were really good, but they all ended up moving on, you know what I mean? So... Uh, yeah, but but the youth system now, what we've got now, is just unbelievable. The players that we've got coming through, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm having rants with this Liverpool guy on my Facebook at the moment. You've probably seen, and I've been banned because having a go at him. And he's saying to me, "Oh, what players have you got coming through your youth team?" I said, "Oh, uh, hold it a minute, just Reese James and Chalabar and Mason Mount and all these boys coming back through." You know what I mean? So, uh, yes, hang on here. <laughs> But, yeah, you do get them, you know what I mean? But we've got an absolutely incredible academy coming through and we've got amazing players, you know what I mean? I'm, sadly, I can't get up to copy them like I can now. Yeah, but no, I've seen some great players coming through and uh, I'll say the, the greatest one was, was John Terry. As I said before, he was awful at 14, 13, 14 uh, and he went to Forest on loan for six months and come back to play who he was and he was just amazing, absolutely incredible. And we knew he was going to be in the first team because he was so dedicated. He'd be first out on the training ground and he'd be last to come off the pitch. He, he would. He'd be doing free kicks. He'd even go in goal. I used to witness every training session, John Terry going in goal and they'd take shots at him. So, yeah, no, Zola Zola would, would do free kicks and Terry in goal. So, you know, the, the great laughs. I mean, that's the banter was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. And, you know, I witnessed all that just standing on steps at Arlington. They, they were amazing days. Yeah, great days. One person that I wanted to discuss with you that I feel with certain Chelsea fans he gets a bad rap because of his affiliation with another club but for my eyes he started laying the foundations for Chelsea to become competitive in the mid to late 90s and that's Glenn Hoddle yeah he came in in the 93 season as coach and bringing the likes of Gavin Peacock into the club when obviously were you as taking pictures and you was chatting to the players at, at Harlington. What was Glenn Hoddle like as a coach and what was his training methods like? Were they sort of, because we've, we've heard a lot of positive about Glenn Hoddle as a coach and as a trainer, but from a fan's perspective, what was he like to deal with as well as sort of see him train? Keith, he was absolutely brilliant, completely transformed Chelsea from what they ate, not only what they're playing on the field, what they ate. They brought in nutritious, they brought in chefs, proper food, everything. Uh, he did say to Ken Bates before he left, Arsene Wenger should get the Chelsea job. Gosh, we should have got him after Glenn Oddle, I tell you. But you know what I mean? It, it was absolutely brilliant, Glenn Oddle. I couldn't fault him at Chelsea one bit. And he ended up a really good friend of mine and he would always come out. He was very religious as well. Uh, a lot of people were, they know he, he got him in trouble with England with his religion, I think. But um, he was very religious and he brought that into the club as well. Uh, Gavin Peacock, uh, who was a good friend of mine, you know, he, he became very religious. But right. whether that entailed with football, I don't know. But he totally changed the way they ate. 
uh, training. They were out on time. They would never finish early. They wanted to stay late. They would. He completely changed it. Really good. And I was absolutely gutted for Glenn when we lost the 94 Cup final, and he was as well, you know what I mean? But yeah, it, they were good days, but we went on to glory after that anyway. So we've hull it. And then, yes, of and course, Hoddle brought in Hughes and Hullet. Yes. And I was at Harlington the day Hullet turned up and Mark Hughes turned up. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. It was just, I'm, I'm honestly, goosebumps everywhere. And Hullet was quite arrogant. And they walked out, honestly, Keith, their faces when they walked out and saw Harlington. They went, oh, my God, what have we come to here? <laughs> they, they've gone to multi-million pound training sessions. They walked out on Harlington, you know, what I mean? freezing cold in the winter. Uh, yeah, nice in the summer, but. It was, uh, they were fantastic days. They really were. And I, I said to Glenn, oh my God, Glenn, how on earth have you got Hullet and Mark Hughes coming to our club? He said, it's the contacts. The contacts I know, they're coming to the end of their career. They want one last bonus, big playing bonus, and they got it at Chelsea. And, it, it, you know, I, I was gutted when England, when he, when he went to England, Hoddle, because he could have done a lot more for Chelsea. But Hullet took over, then Viali, but Hullet, Built a magnificent team, bringing Di Matteo in and players like that. And what he a player had he was! Going forwards. Oh, of course he did. He brought some amazing Leboeuf. I know Frank Leboeuf really well. I often talk to Frank Leboeuf on my Facebook. Uh, he actually done a, a video uh, end of last year with a, sadly a, a dying friend. He died of asbestosis, and he actually sent him a video uh, via me to this guy that was dying, and he died at the end of last year. But what a what a legend Frank Leboeuf was. He's absolutely diamond guy. Later in that, in the 96, Zola came in and he was voted oh, Chelsea's player. greatest yeah. ever player. I, I, yeah. I was one of those who voted. I just thought Zola was uh, an incredible yeah. footballer yeah. and just transformed Chelsea. The, you know, his individual performances, but he made his teammates better. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and, and Lasso ca- came back as well. Yes, um, another right, yeah. another player we should never have sold really, but he went on to Blackburn to win the league, came back to us and we won the league. So you know what I mean? Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, but Zola is Keith, you as well. I love Hazard, but Zola was far better than Hazard. I, I, I'll argue with anyone. He just had everything in his pocket, and that and that you know he keeps showing that on YouTube and Sky the other day when he when he turned Carragher, Jamie Carragher, inside out in that corner. Yes. That was just brilliant. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I wind a few Liverpool fans up with that, and that was just magnificent <laughs> that day. Yeah, I, I never missed a game. You know, what I mean, home and away, I went to Europe everywhere, uh, all the European games, home and away. I spent fortune watching Chelsea, uh, and they were magnificent days. They really were. But Zola, oh my God, and Stockholm. Well, he was absolutely buzzing for that night. He got dropped that night, didn't he? Yes, he. He, he, he was so bench, angry. Yeah. yeah, he was injured and he was ready. And he was so fired up. And you just saw his face. He was so fired up. Bang, did he hit that goal, didn't he? What a ball mm. from Wise and bang. Di Matteo, Wise, put it through to him. Oh, my God, did we celebrate in Stockholm? <laughs> but, yeah, that was fantastic. FA Cup and then the Cup Winners' Cup. And we've won it all. You know what I mean? Liverpool yeah. say they've won it all, but they never won the Cup Winners' Cup. <laughs> we did twice. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, great. You've great days. Spoke about with, like, Rude Hullet and then you've, sort of going towards the millennium, the 2000s, Viali sort of came in. We won, as you say, the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. The League Cup as well, um, winning Frank, Frank Sinclair scoring and then Dean Hattel yeah. scoring at Wembley. Yeah. There was sort of a little bit of myths about, you know, with Rude Hullet's style of 
play, but also his man management skills. And there was obviously rumours flying around that he and Viali didn't get on. And then obviously when Rude Hullet left, that caused a bit of a shock amongst the club because we were sort of, I think we were actually top three when yeah. Rude Hullet left. And then Viali came in. When you sort of was there at the training ground, did you notice anything peculiar? Was there anything sort of just didn't seem quite right that particular era? Because obviously yeah. there was talk that, you know, Bates and Colin Hutchinson as well that was there. They were very tight lipped. They were sort of not sort of giving way too much to the media. And yeah. then Rude Hullet then said sort of later on down the line that he wanted a new contract, didn't get it. Did you sort of notice anything, see anything differently from, again, from a fan's point of view, seeing these guys day in, day out? Yeah, I I did. I I saw Viali turn up the first day. I saw Hullet turn up. I saw Mark Hughes turn up. Great days. But but sadly, the tackles were going in. They were two massive superstars, Viali and Hullet, that were on a part of each other. One Holland, one Italian. And you could see the battles were out there, but they were used to be fiery really fiery uh, training sessions, you know what I mean? Dennis Wise getting stuck in, and they used to be rucks galore at the training ground, you know, used to pull them apart, you know what I mean? But I really don't think whether they got on together, I don't know. In, 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 you know, once they went in that changing room, there was sometimes I used to get in there and I used to go up the canteen and have a bacon roll and a cup of tea and whatever, but they never used to talk to each other, Hullet and Viali up in the canteen up at Arlington, and you could sense that there was something there, you know what I mean? But, I still say to this day that we used to call it sexy football with Hullet. And I still say to this day that was magnificent football that was with Chelsea. That's got to be the best football ever. Like when we won the cup final and we played Wimbledon in, in uh, uh, at the old Highbury. Do you remember that game? That's right, Zola. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God, what a game that was. We were absolutely on fire. The football was unbelievable. And we should have won that league that year. We were just so good. And I was absolutely, absolutely flabbergasted when Hullet got the sack and they brought Viali in. But Viali still had the players there and he knew them but so he brought all them that that was actually Hullet's team that was that he brought up but if Hullet would have stayed same situation as Glenn Hoddle should have stayed on as manager and I still think Hullet would make a really good manager he talked sense on telly you know he he, he had quite a big head Hullet very big head um, he even had a go at me one time he said I was selling autograph stuff on eBay and I didn't even have a computer then, you know what I mean? So when he first, I didn't even know what a computer was or even how to work one, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, uh, Frank Steer came out, who was one of the stewards up there with Gary Staker. And they said, no, it's not Dave. Dave wouldn't do that. He loves the club too much, you know what I mean? And I said, and he actually came out and apologised to me, Hullet, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it was great. I used to get free tickets, um, had some great times, and Rude Hullet put a stop to that. And we, we went up to Blackpool uh, in the League Cup game, I think it was, or FA Cup game years ago. No, that would have been League Cup in 96. League, yeah, and Hullet got off the coach. I was waiting for my tickets as the players got off the coach. And I'm not kidding you, Hullet walked up to me, put his finger in front of my nose and said, you're not getting any more tickets off the players. And it, honestly, and, and Gary Staker come over and apologised. He said, I don't know what that's about, Dave, but he said... Don't worry, we'll sort it. And the week after, Hullet came out and apologised because he thought I was selling stuff on eBay. I think eBay had just come on the market. eBay yeah. was formed in 95. I was doing a little yeah, bit yeah. of research because you yeah. first told me about it last night. And yeah, I well, it was either eBay or... Yeah. And it was a load of stuff that was going being sold through Chelsea players. But 
uh, kit was going missing. Autographs were being sold on 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 computers and things like that. And they thought it was me. And I said, no, it wasn't. I, I eventually knew who it was. I'm not saying no names. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Uh, but I knew eventually who it was. And he's not a Chelsea now. But you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, those were the days. But yeah. But no, they, they come out and apologise and I carried on staying at Arlington. So yeah, great days until Mourinho come along. But yeah. And then they moved to Cobham. But yeah. Well, great stories. Talk about the sort of the post 2000s. And obviously, there was a period where Chelsea were in the Champions League. We played Milan at Stamford Bridge. We went to yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, from a Chelsea's perspective, what was that like? Obviously, seeing oh. them at training one day, and then the next yeah. day you're seeing them and they're playing the likes of Milan. They're playing yeah. Galatasaray. And we're Smashing yeah. them five nil, and then yeah, you know, yeah, play yeah. Hertha Berlin, play Barca. A lot of people don't talk about that era at Chelsea anymore because they, you know, they wanted to either worry about the today's Chelsea or even talk about the Chelsea from Jose's days. But how good was Chelsea then? All right, they weren't competitive in the Premier League as much, but how significant was that to to see? Chelsea grow because the West End as well was um, being developed, wasn't it? Yeah. So how yeah. important was that for Chelsea having all that in pretty much one season? Champions League football. I can sum it all up, Keith. How good was that goal in the San Siro by Dennis Wise? I was behind that goal when he put that through. What a ball from Di Matteo down to Dennis Wise. It's got to be the one of the best balls ever you'll ever see to Dennis Wise and he smashed that, didn't he? And that 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 was just unbelievable. And you say that we still talk about it to that day because you used to go and watch the junior games with Batesy and all that. And we used to watch Liverpool and, and all the big boys in the Champions League. And we think, oh God, why can't we get there? Why can't we ever? Uh, Batesy would come up to us at the training ground. He said, "We will get there one day. We will get there." And we were dreaming of it. And it came. That dream came true. You know what I mean? We wise and all that and, and the Cup Winners' Cup and, and then the Champions League and it was just magnificent, you know what I mean? And but but it was just magnificent. and then you get to a Champions League final, you pay over a thousand pounds to go to Moscow and lose on a penalty kick and cost John Terry, you know what I mean? Yes. That would have been Drogba's yes. penalty. Yes. It it, it, it yes. would have been Drogba. We'd have won that. We would have won that. You know what I mean? John Terry took that. He was a brave, brave lad. And I was just dreading when he went up to take that penalty, not to take it. I knew he was going to miss it. I knew, you know what I mean? I was absolutely flabbergasted. But they were great days. We got to a Champions League final against one of our big rivals in Moscow. Mm. And look what's happening in Moscow and, and Russia now with Ukraine. It's awful. But I've been in that stadium and I say I'm proud of it. It's got to be one of the worst trips ever coming out, you know, in the pouring rain and that and as they went up to pick up the cup they wouldn't let us out the police there they were quite vicious the police there in Russia and all of a sudden as United went up to, to lift the cup uh, they let us out and they were going up the stairs and of course it was pouring down in Moscow oh my god it was like 94 and as we've come out the fan park and gone past the fan park there's the big screen and you see Ferdinand and Gig lift the cup it was it was a nightmare absolutely nightmare yeah, and then we had nightmares getting the coach back to the airport and coming back from Russia. We didn't have much sleep for two and a half days, but it was a good trip. <laughs> but I was there, you know what I mean? Apart so, yeah. from the game itself, was that the worst European experience yeah. for you? or was Yeah, there yeah, I, I cried, I cried. Losing to them in 94 and that Champions League was absolutely devastating for me. 
absolutely devastating. It was a, yeah, and I'd, I'd gone through divorce as well from from after '94 onwards, going to that. You know what I mean? But my wife now, she's been brilliant. She's a gooner actually, but she's at, she likes Chelsea as well. But she's a yeah, good girl now. You know what I mean? And she's seen the, the through the bad times and the good times, and she loves her football. And I've got my my Joe who loves football now. You know what I mean? So yeah, he's very lucky. And if I can't come up to the bridge. He'll have me season tickets. So, yeah, I, you know, I mean, Joe's got all my stories. My boy, he's got all my shirts when I'm dead and gone. I've got a few more years left in me. But, what you know, what stuff he's going to have is unbelievable. And there's a good picture of him that you actually sent me, which was, which was kind of cool, that he's got Carlo Cudicini's gloves and he's actually wearing them. Yeah. But yeah, he's only yeah. sort of a like a small boy, and it was it yeah. kind of he was tiny. Of like a... Yeah, mm. he he was actually Joe. He was two days old, and I took him to Stamford Bridge. And my dad was up when he was born. Sadly, I'd lost my mum not long just before that. And dad come up, and we we I said, look, he said, where do you want to go? Babe's coming home. I said, Stamford Bridge. That's the only place I want to go. And we we sat outside. It was a glorious. Uh, he was born in July, and we went up and sat out outside Frankie's bar outside the shed end. Uh, and I was born and bred there, you know, from from being a kid, watching them train in that area, in the old shed area and when, in the old car park there. And Dad said, well, let's do it. And then my missus now, Karen, she said, yeah, come on then. And we just went up there and had a drink and parked outside Stamford Bridge. It was one Sunday and that was quite historic, you know what I mean? And then we used to take him up the training ground and as he grew up and he used to watch him and met Zola and Terry and I've got pay- pictures with Batesy with him and I sent you, you know what I mean, when he was little and John Terry and... He's grown up with that. He's very lucky. Very, very lucky boy. And just that special day, he, he was talking then, Joe, and he, he loved Carlo Cudicini. He loved him. And because uh, he got, got the little shirt as well. And Carlo liked him. He got friends with him. And he just asked him. I didn't say to him, ask him. He said, can I have your gloves? And he said, yeah. And he took them off and gave him his gloves. You know what I mean? He still got them to the day upstairs. Absolutely unbelievable. So the memorabilia we've got is just unbelievable. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. One yeah. thing I did want to, to touch on um, before we do close today it's 20 I still can't believe it now it's been nearly 20 years since Roman bought the club gosh it's frightening summer of 2003 <laughs> that is frightening yeah we touched on it before we sort of re- recorded about the difference from Chelsea when Bates was in charge and then Chelsea beat Liverpool to progress in the Champions League the squad we had that yeah. summer of 2003 you were there front and yeah. centre you saw the difference yeah yeah how big of a difference was it and to put it into comparison to how how different it was when you saw certain players in the squad yeah. and then a month later new regime yeah totally different squad yeah absolutely brilliant what From... kind of summer was that for a Chelsea fan to experience it was great. It was, oh gosh, when they said Mourinho, was, I was gutted to think a man was going, but we'd had enough of him. We were going down pretty ill, you know, when we lost in Monaco and that. And then, and then, uh, like Bates left, he kept the, uh, Roman kept the Tinker Man on, uh, Ranieri, who was a really good friend of mine. I actually got to talk to him and he'd tell me all the players and everything, but he just didn't have that final winning streak, which Glenn Oddle didn't have. Hullet had it. Viali had it. Hoddle didn't have it, but the Tinker Man didn't have it, you know what I mean? But although he won the league with Leicester, so would he, you know, would we have carried on, you know what I mean? He bought Petr Cech, didn't even see him play for Chelsea, you know what I mean? Mourinho came in, oh my God, what a transformation there. It was just unbelievable, Keith. The training was unbelievable. The pitches were laid out absolutely superbly. 
Mourinho knew everything about every opposition player. He would tactically bring players over to one corner and work on that area. Training was completely different. You'd never seen nothing like best training that I've ever seen. You know what I mean? He had Beas Boas there. Uh, he had the other guy and the goalkeeping coach with him. I think there was four of them, and they were magnificent, Keith. I used to go in the little park, Little Ealing, they used to call it, next to Arlington. And I used to go and stand in there. They couldn't get in the training ground. And we used to stand there and watch them. But the training, Keith, was unbelievable. They were so up for it, the players. They were so up for it. But, yeah, it, it was just unreal. You know what I mean? Really, really totally changed for the better as well. And that, that's the Chelsea we are today. You know what I mean? We're up there in the top four every year. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah and you fun. look at, sort of, lastly, when we're sort of looking at it, Chelsea now, when you saw that in 2003, when this Russian individual turned up at Arlington, yeah. now owns Chelsea, could you have imagined then what Chelsea have transformed into now? Uh Yes and no, because Batesy came up to me, you know, that, that day he left. And I was there the day Bates left at Harlington. He'd come to say goodbye to the players. He had tears in his eyes. All the players had tears in their eyes. And then he came up to me last. I was the very last supporter that he came over to me uh, before he got in his roller. And he actually said, you've got some big trophies coming your way. He said, stick in there. But, yeah, I, I knew something big was happening. But I didn't realise the vastness and the amount of money that Roman Abramovich was going to plough into Chelsea. We bought some major stars, you know what I mean? What a, what a transformation, you know what I mean? Absolutely incredible. Great, great teams. Great, great players we brought in. And Mourinho brought him in. And, you know, when you bring Frank Lampard in and Terry and Drogba and that team that, that just grew and grew and grew, you know what I mean? Oh, my God, what a team. Absolutely magnificent. Yeah, great days. And what do you think of Chelsea now with Roman on his way out, but yeah. Thomas Tuchel got the squad pretty much together. There's yeah. a mixture of the academy boys with some decent young talent from overseas like Havertz and Werner, Lukaku. Where where do you where do you see Chelsea sort of doing well this season? And... I think we're getting stronger. It proves it. We won six out of six. We, we look absolutely awesome. You know, I, I can't believe BBC the other day were wowing for Middlesbrough to score. You know what I mean? Gary Lineker and the boys in the box. Even the commentator wanted Middlesbrough to score, but we've just outstanding. Our football's brilliant. And Thomas Tuchel, what a manager, what a coach. You know what I mean? I haven't seen him coaching Cobham because you can't get in that area now. I can see the juniors play, but you can't. But the training, they reckon, is just like it was under Mourinho. But this manager we've got now, we've got to keep hold of him. With all the sanctions going on, whoever's got to come in, he has got to keep that coaching staff and Thomas Tuchel there. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Maria's got to stay there. Petr Cech's got to stay there. We've got a brilliant backroom staff. The board are good. I'm not keen on Bruce Buck, but you know what I mean? He keeps the, sh- the ship steady. But you know what I mean? It's... Uh, I, th- I think we've got a brilliant team, brilliant squad. And if we can get a great owner in, uh, you, you know, we can build a new stadium. I'd be gutted to see the old Stamford Bridge demolished because I've got so many memories there. But I think we could have a, a magnificent stadium there. And going forward, we could be world beaters. You know what I mean? We we could be the the Man City of of the South. You know what I mean? And, or even better. But they they haven't even won a Champions League They've yet. Not won you know what I mean? So, no, definitely no, not. No, no, last, no. Last question, David. And again, thank you very much for coming onto the show. You've sent me over. A number of photos, and I know that in your sort of Facebook post that you've got 
got tons of photos that you've taken over yeah loads thousands yeah i was very lucky i was a very keen photographer and i used to take my camera up there all the time what's what's the most significant photo that you've taken that you would remember for the rest of your life what's the best photo that you feel that you've taken probably the one the day roman turned up when I got that photo and he just come over to me and shook me by the hand. And that was quite a special moment, a very, very special day. The day that Batesy came and shook me by the hand, you know what I mean? He knew me as a friend and whatever, and, and going to Harlington and talking and having a great laugh at junior games and that. And then all of a sudden this multi-billionaire come in and bought Chelsea. And the first day he's come over and shook me by the hand and I've actually took the first photo at Arlington of him i wish i'd taken more of him meeting the players you know what i mean but i was just absolutely in awe you know this guy coming over shaking me by the hand with these mafia bodyguards you know what i mean and he just walked no 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 that's fine just me and him me and roman i wish he had spoken english he didn't we'd have been talking there for ages you know what i mean it would have been magnificent but that that was pretty special that that was pretty special yeah really good and and i've got pictures going back with Brian Mears at the Cafe Royal and with my hands round his throat because the, the Chelsea supporters wanted to get rid of Brian Mears. You know what I mean? And they, they, they wanted to lynch him years ago because what he'd done at Chelsea with the old East Stand and he slaughtered the 70s team. And there's me with a picture having a laugh and a joke with Brian Mears with my hands round his throat. And they thought it was brilliant. You know, they thought it was a great laugh. You know what I mean? But they, they were good days. I'd never hurt anyone like that. You know what I mean? But it, it, it was good and we had fun and, and Seb Cove even thought that it was funny, you know what I mean? He said, you've got a photo and half there to cherish. But they were the bad days, and I've had some amazing days, you know what I mean? Pictures with Oddle and, and Hullet. Another great day, that was watching Hullet and, and Hughes turn up at Harlington. You know, I've got the photos of that and, and Hullet turning up for his first training session. That was, wow, wow, rude Hullet at Stamford Bridge. It just, wow, goosebumps, you know, what a player he was. What a, oh, dear, oh, dear, Keith. You know what I mean? What a. What a player that was. And you think little Dennis Wise playing with Rude Hullet. <laughs> and he, he'd come up from the crazy gang in, in Wimbledon and playing with Rude Hullet and, and Hughes and LeBeuf. And, oh, what a team that was. Unbelievable. Yeah, Ed DeHoy in goal. Great, great, great memories. <laughs> yeah, great days. And Zola, well, you know what I mean? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And, and pictures of Zola I've got, you know what I mean, with my, with my boy when he was little. And, a complete gentleman, Zola. If there's one player, all of them, playing-wise, gentlemen, always sign autographs. I've met players that wouldn't sign autographs. Mm. They would drive out. You've got little kids there at Arlington crying their eyes out. Oh, why didn't he sign an autograph? Hullet would be the world's worst, you know what I mean? And oh, really? wouldn't right. sign autographs. He was very arrogant about that, signing autographs and that. But he was a great player. I, I've got quite a few, you know what I mean? But very lucky. But... Uh, mm. But yeah, but he was one of them. But but you know that day with with Roman Abramovich taking over, that was massive in our history, and and I was privileged to be there at Harlington. I think I was just one or two supporters there, uh, and and see him, you know, Bates go and 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 Roman turn up that day was just unbelievable, unbelievable. You know what I mean? That was special, very special. Well, David, I appreciate your time on on the show. You've obviously got yeah, count, countless memories going back from oh, the seventies yeah. to, to to present. Um, yeah. What I would like to do for for the podcast is try and get some of the photos on our sort of page, so people can sort of see your memories and sort of see what Chelsea was yeah, yeah. like. 
pre-Roman because there's a lot of fans, not Chelsea fans because they know what they're talking about, but there's a lot of fans oh, yeah. that think that Chelsea was formed in 2003. So hopefully these photos... Yeah, it's not. Hopefully, no, it's not, yeah. Hopefully yeah. these photos will... Uh, detract that but I just want to say on behalf of the podcast David thank you very much for coming onto the show and hopefully once these restrictions are yeah. eventually lifted we'll hopefully see you down the bridge quite soon Defo I'll be there against Brentford <laughs> looking forward to that one definitely Keith thoroughly enjoyed it mate thanks very much mate Podcast Network.